0: Hello, and welcome to the second episode of your favorite podcast, Hashtag nofilter, the podcast that helps you understand the link between social media and your mental health. I'm your host, Austin, and in today's episode, we're going to talk about social media and psychology. I also invited a psychologist that works in New York to further discuss the topic with us, so stay tuned. The uses of social media around the world is ever-increasing. It's without a doubt one of the most popular online activities that users engage in. Social media statistics from 2019 show that there are 3.5 billion social media users worldwide, and this number is only growing. That associates to about 45% of the current population. In today's cultural and technological climate, almost everyone uses some sort of social media. According to a Momento 2018 Pew Research Center study, 88% of respondents between the age of 18 to 29 reported using social media. 78% of 30 to 49 years old said the same. The number of reported users did for the next age group, but not as much as you may think. A stunning 64% of people between the age of 50 and 64 use social media on a frequent basis. For a generation that didn't grow up with the internet or social media, this statistic is surprising and helps explain the prevalence of social media use in our culture. With the progressiveness of social media across all ages, more attention needs to be given to what it's doing to us, individual users. The endless string of communication and connection provided by social media is changing the way we think and absorb information. As it is, people are currently developing social media habits that can simultaneously benefit and harm their mental health. Because this trend of extended social media use will only continue, more researchers are joined to the field to analyze and understand the psychology of social media and our constantly connected culture. But why? Why is it so important to do the research of the connection between social media and psychology? To have a better understanding, we have invited an expert in the field, Dr. Michael Mance. Hello, Dr. Mance, and welcome to Hashtag No Thank you for joining us today. How are you?
1: Uh, I'm well. Glad to be here.
0: To start with, could you introduce yourself to our listeners?
1: Uh, yeah, sure. My name is Dr. Michael Mance. Uh, I'm a PhD in clinical psychology, several postdoctoral certifications. I teach in the master's program at NYU. I supervise doctoral students at several other universities. I'm in private practice. I occasionally speak or write a little bit. And uh, that's a little bit about me.
0: Can you explain to us in what ways social media affect our mental?
1: You know, there's a, a fair bit of complexity to all of it. Um, so I don't know that there's a single sort of straightforward answer to the notion that it has kind of one uh, impact on our mental health or our experience of ourselves. I think sometimes the impact social media, I think, depending on the platform and the purpose, um, can be healthy and enjoyable. Sometimes it's powerfully informative and can give you an advantage in life. Other times, of course, it's extremely difficult and painful or disorganizing, perhaps. I I think there's also, you know, a real age component and and different people at different ages kind of end up using social media in in different ways and, and has different impacts.
0: Nowadays, people like to post and share their private life on social media. What are the psychological motivations for posting and are there any consequences?
1: Um, what are the motivations? You know, I, I think in general, uh, I mean, as gross generalization, of course, it really depends on the person. You know, I think some people really need to be seen. Um, mm-hmm. That's something that they find uh, an intense craving for and uh, feel intensely stimulated by. Other people feel, I think, compelled to advertise their opinions. Um, They want other people to agree with them. Um, You know, and then, of course, there are people who, you know, like to kind of grief other people. I mean, you must be familiar with that term in some way, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there are people who enjoy griefing other people or... You know, trolling. So, so there's, I think, multiple layers to it for multiple people. I think the goal of most platforms is to generate a kind of enduring dialogue is probably the most generous way to say it. Unfortunately, I think most often, and it's not really dialogue that gets generated, it is more like kind of intense conflict. Um, you know, it's not generally speaking a kind of healthy debate. Between people in which information is being exchanged and views are being altered. I think most frequently on the internet, um, they, they, again, depending on the platform and the age, mostly what's happening is, is people are there to advertise their particular opinion. It's not like a, a again, a free flowing exchange of ideas between healthy minds, you know, it, it often devolves into other things. So different people, I think, have different kinds of motivations in, in terms of getting involved with that. Again, I, I, you know, and I think it also very much depends on the platform. Um, you know, I think people get involved in creating TikToks for a very different reason than some people you know, put pictures of, of their grandchildren on Facebook. I think these are, are sometimes some very different kinds of motivations. And the other thing that I think we'd be really remiss not to acknowledge is that you know, I think uh, sexuality goes a long way on the internet and being found to be desirable and perhaps even to profit off of that in one way or another, um, is also a, a really uh, powerful motivator for a lot of people. It's kind of very complex landscape. It's, you know, we've come a long way from, you know, uh, my space or whatever. Um, and you know, and then of course people are using it to like market all sorts of stuff and, and it's kind of become this, this, Hydra, if you will, really. Yeah. I think it takes some time and some skill and some experience to learn how to not get drawn into various kinds of interactions. I think it's especially difficult uh, for a lot of women. You know, depending on the platform, you know, if they post a picture of themselves or something on Reddit. Uh, or some other platform, you know, the amount of hypersexualized and extremely aggressive comments that they receive almost immediately is, is kind of outrageous in a way or troubling, uh, depending on, on your viewpoint. So I think that's generally really difficult. I think, especially for, you know, younger women who, um, you know, might find that maybe initially really to some degree, but also, of course, extremely fright- frightening. Of course, there's there very little accommodation for notions of legality around age and so on and so forth. So it can be a really complex, difficult environment. Um, and that's for a savvy user, I think for people who are less savvy um, mm. or perhaps less um, willing or able to interrogate what they're seeing or what their people are saying to them, it can be really kind of a disastrous experience. Yeah, alternatively. Alternatively, um, sometimes it can be powerfully uplifting. You know, people can rally around a person or a cause. Um, you might learn information that you would never have access to otherwise. Yeah. Um, you might learn truths about things that are perhaps uh, forbidden in, in your place of origin, and your religion of origin, perhaps, yeah. um, that are, are critical to know. It giveth and it taketh away, I suppose, is one way to talk about it.
0: The article Social Networking Sites and Addiction pinpointed some reasons why people become addicted to social networking sites. These reasons include lower self esteem and a general anxiety about being excluded. Why
1: is that? Um, well, you know, I have to uh, be sort of frank. Um, I don't love the term addiction for this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I think addiction as a notion kind of gives people like an easy handle on certain kinds of ideas. Mm. Um, I think, you know, from a a more um, precise technical standpoint, uh, I think you're thinking about compulsivity Mm. um, and a kind of more reflective response to internal feeling states. We're allowed to kind of think about things that way. It makes a little bit more sense. It makes a little bit more sense that when people are feeling low or unhappy or alternatively unfulfilled, any number of these platforms are are places to go um, to assuage that feeling in a certain kind of way, um, or perhaps a series of thoughts that they're having or whatever may be going on for them. You know, so again, uh, really, when you sort of dig down with any particular person, Really feeling lonely and empty and unlovable, right? These are really intolerable kinds of experiences. Um, you can see how they might use something like Tinder to assuage that, uh, simply by swiping right and hoping that that somebody matches with them, not particularly because they want to be with someone else, perhaps, but because that experience neutralizes something really unpleasant for them. And so that could be one motivation. Um, you know, other people you know, feel a certain kind of thrill um, when they find out new information about something. You know, and then there's there's also, again, I think uh, different effects happen for different age groups, but also a sense of, of perhaps being included in some movement. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. If something happened over here in, in the States uh, in the stock market with a particular uh, stock for a company called GameSock. GameStop. I'm sorry. Um, I don't know if that sort of made any news over where you were, but uh, it was a big deal on Reddit and a lot of people sort of joined in and it came became kind of a culture and class flashpoint around the stock market, really, basically, mm-hmm. and making money. And, um, you know, certain kinds of people really wanted to be included in that. You know, so, and then we can see here uh, any number of reasons why people want to join into something that they feel is, you know, in this case, um, a, a kind of moral position, class position, really, um, and, and sort of striking back at, at the forces that they see as arranging our world. So, you know, again, it, it's a really complex kind of domain.
0: According to my research, social media can shape people's identity because people can create multiple accounts on social media. What is your opinion about this?
1: I mean, I think it's an interesting idea. I don't know that I would see it as the internet shaping somebody's identity or, or character or something along those lines. I, I think from my way of looking at things, it would be sort of more like um, uh, it is, something about them is revealed have an opportunity to express or explore something about themselves that perhaps otherwise might have gone
0: unelaborated.
1: Um, You know, for better and for worse. For some people, I think it allows them to, you know, really um, discover parts of themselves that they didn't think existed, um, to express themselves in ways that, that they may never have been able to or allowed to. You know, and especially when it comes to learning about the universe and, and, you know, I mean, the amount of information is unparalleled. You know, it's kind of really insane when you stop to think about it. You know, you can really find information on just about anything if, you're, if you are really knowledgeable about how to use a search engine and, and know how to check your sources. So I don't know if the, the, the we create ourselves in a kind of tabula rasa kind of way um on the internet, because I guess from my way of thinking about how the mind works and how people work, and you're not going to become something that you have that have no shred of. You know, you're not going to become a totalitarian um, you know, if you have no issues around the expression of authority or if if it's well regulated within you, let's say. Um, So you're not going to join a fascist Facebook group if if um if that's not to some degree in you to begin with.
0: Social media users' self-image is put under a microscope when they constantly compare their situation to others. What are the positive and negative effects of self-perception on social media?
1: Well, you know, we were talking again before about how, you know, people can get really, you know, sort of wrapped up in things and, and want to feel included and to be parts of things. Yeah. Um, you know, I think very few people are immune to an experience sort of jealous experience or perhaps envious, which are about the same thing yeah, of other people. Um, so I, I think it, it takes a lot of savvy um, and experience not to get drawn into that kind of, you know, um, situation online. I mean, to be frank, but this I don't think is is a product of social media, particularly, um, you know, in the U S we have a, a phrase, keeping up with the Joneses, which I believe probably is in England as well, or would be used in England as well, uh, or the UK, I suppose. Um, and, and that, that captures a notion that you see your neighbors ha- having things, having experiences, um, doing things, um, and you become envious of them because they have things that you don't and you feel compelled to match them in some way. You know, I think a lot of it is is just kind of the basic human experience written in a different medium, if you will. Um, but I, I think, it'd be fair, there is a lot to be gained from being connected, you know, to all this information and all these different ideas. And, you know, people can express themselves stylistically in ways that they never might have been able to before. Um, they find topics of interest and other people who care about it as much as they do. And I think that can be really thrilling um, and can neutralize a sense of isolation. I, I, you know, so I, I suppose the, the overall sort of meta message here is it just depends and it can be so many things. I think the Internet really reveals more about us than creates about us. The one caveat I would, I would make to that statement is, obviously, I think we've seen a lot of manipulation over the last three to five years um, from people who are pushing particular agendas or who, for whatever reason, need to censor certain ideas. And some of that censorship is, uh, under certain circumstances, is, I mean, it's, it's kind of like essential. You know, in the United States, and I know in in the UK as well, um, that there are a lot of people who have issues with vaccines um, or believe something wrong. It's just not accurate stuff that's just not true. And they just end up spamming that out into their environment. And, you know, we have learned that that's a real problem. I don't know if that answered your question. Um, it's It's a lot to think about, really, to be frank.
0: We usually like to join social media groups to find people with similar interests. However, would you say that there is an additional social pressure to fit in those groups?
1: You know, I think that, you know, I was thinking about that question. I think the axis of that question is very much organized around um, your sort of developmental level and your age group. I think for younger people, um, the pressure to conform in one way or another is probably higher than older people. Yeah, I, that, that's just kind of my perception on these things. Um, I just think that, that people don't feel, you know, older people don't feel the need to kind of fit in um, in the same way as as younger people. I think even, you know, sort of people in their 20s, I, I think, you know, for people in their 20s, I think the the question shifts from do I fit into to am I extremely attractive to other people and do I look successful so I can attract somebody or any people perhaps as the case may be. Um, you know, and then, and then once, you know, and I, also there's a really profound shift in, in people's online presence once they have children. And, and uh, I assume you'll notice it on your feed as well, that the people, you know, like over time, you know, when you're younger, And I guess I've been around long enough to see this. It's, you know, who can post really like the sexiest picture of themselves having like an amazing time in Punta Cana or someplace. And then one day you notice that there's none of that in your feed. Everybody's got a kid all of a sudden. And, you know, it's all about how cute things are and, and so on and so forth. So, you know, these kinds of things shift over time. Pressures to conform, I think, fade. In many ways, for most people, I mean, I mean, and maybe this is an artifact of the last six years or so. It's hard to know. Um, yeah. Certainly, I think middle-aged people and older are having really intense, fierce battles around the nature of reality. Yeah. You know, what's real? It, you know, I think that's a it's a very different thing from do I fit in? Uh, I, I think one of the things that you see with QAnon is that people with an inability to filter information, either because they themselves are, are low information people, or they were not taught critical thinking skills, or typically, more likely, um, certain kind of, let's say, mistrustful disposition towards the world, you can see how they get drawn into a movement um, that really denies reality in one way or another
0: it is undeniable that the constant use of social media has numerous negative impacts on our mental health. However, it would be oblivious to strictly categorize social media as evil. What are some of the benefits of platforms such as Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok?
1: Um, You know, that's a a religious term, I suppose. I I don't think I would use uh, too frequently, let's say unhealthy and um, bad for you. Right. Um, so I I think we've covered some of the the positives. Um, you know, I think it can connect you certainly, you know, most people like that's their primary point of contact with so many other people. You know, I think for a lot of artists, they, they see other people's work, they get inspired in those ways. And you know, I mean, listen, a well executed TikTok is entertaining and amusing. I mean, let's be frank. You know like the no lie uh and Facebook, I think, think in the way that it can be used, you know, it's, it's really like a primary way to like keep up with your relatives let's let's be honest, you know, like oh how you know how's great aunt so and so, oh, you know, she's back from the hospital, great or like whatever um so i I think at its best, it can be a really potent force for healthy, positive change culturally um it keeps us connected. It, it entertains us. It allows us to express ourselves. and These are all really, I think, wonderful things. Yeah. Um, some people perhaps should express themselves less <laughs> or, or become a bit more discerning about the ways in which they're expressing themselves. We might that.
0: Finally, what advice you would give to someone who is experiencing the downsides of social media?
1: Unplug. Turn off. Why is it hard to turn off? You know, what is, what is making it so compelling for you that you need to do this? Mm. Um, one thing, it, you know, it, it's, it's so tricky because, you know, a lot of this stuff isn't real in a way. The internet is not an actual place you can go to. Um, Facebook is not real. It's artificial. It's manufactured in every way. And anybody who posts that on Facebook has some intuitive sense of that. So, you know, perhaps there are some things happening in in someone's life that they'd rather escape from. And, um, you know, only to find that they kind of exist in a parallel way in this other kind of liminal space. Um, So the real kind of question to ask is, why do I feel compelled to keep going back, even though I'm unhappy? What's going on with that? How do I understand myself in these moments, right? And if it's because I feel lonely, you know, why am I so lonely? What's happening? it's because I'm I'm craving sexual attention, okay? Well, why is that lacking in the rest of your life? Yeah. You know, so on and so forth. I mean, there are many, many, many reasons. So. So to get a sense of what's happening internally, you know, and then, then you can make some better choices around whether you actually want to be involved with all this stuff. You, know, you, may, you may not. Thank
0: you so much for joining us today.
1: Sure. Great. Pleasure to be here.
0: Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time on my show. Okay. Take care. Thanks to Dr. Menz for sharing his excellent insights on social media addiction. Hopefully, his insights will make us all reconsider what motivates or driving our social media usage and how we can develop healthier online habits. Like Dr. Menz said, we're all seeking acceptance and validation. But when we adopt critical thinking habits, we start to see where social media distorts our reality. Obviously, there are great sides to social media, but we just need to take a moment and see the difference between what is helping and what is harming. Thanks for listening to Hashtag with your host, Austin. I hope you enjoyed this episode. For our next episode, we're going to look at social media and psychology part 2. As always, feel free to search nofilterpodcast.wesite.com slash podcast. And also, make sure to follow me on Instagram no.filter-podcast. Thanks again and I will see you next time.